everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Taylor. And now we're talking, Darian. Hello and welcome. Today is May 5th, and I want you to check out the energy that is Pastor Gary Morello of Neroten Presbyterian Church. Listen to this. Were you ever in a band? No. No. You just look like a rocker. Yeah, but I dream, I mean, like when NSYNC was the thing in ninth grade and all the guys were... You could have totally been in that band. Oh yeah. my God, Bye Bye Bye? Yeah. I practice in the living room. <laughs> oh, you know what? <laughs> I do. I think before we leave, we might need to see you do the... You know, I mean, it's so good. Well, I got to say, I had planned on, you know, coming into this podcast and asking like serious questions to like kick this off. And instead he comes in here and makes fun of our our intro. Like, wow, you guys sound sultry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, Pastor Gary here challenged us with, if you want to have a good podcast, you really got to jump right in right away and ask the tough questions first. That's right. Let's not start with anything boring. I don't think there's any, I don't think the word boring and Gary go together, do they? (laughs) No. Well, I, th- I think one of the exciting things to just say before we begin is what a blessing you two are to bring your hearts together and have a vision to share with people what leaders are doing in the community. And so it, to, to dive right in, like you guys are awesome, really. And I'm listening to a lot of the podcasts and I was saying to you, you had the first selectman, Jamie Stevenson, who's a, who's a wonderful, wonderful leader in our community. You had David Genovese, my big brother. I love him so much. You DG. had the chief. I made the top 10 list, guys. <laughs> like you brought in a young <laughs> reverend and I'm like, what? I'm on there with Jamie and David and the chief. I'm like, let's go. You, you deserve it. <laughs> I mean, it feels like the community really does need this right now. It needs the light, needs needs positivity. And you exude that. So I'm, I mean, you couldn't be a better choice for the top 10. Like, oh, thanks be to God. So we did some research, right? There's a decline in christianity in the country right that we're dropping like a stone and we've got people like you that have to be bringing those numbers back up like what do you think of that what are you seeing yeah it's a great question taylor and i think the thing about the idea of decline is the church has been around for a long time now by god's grace and the question is why right like why is there a decline and what's going on and what i've come to learn since I've been a follower, since I've been a pastor or leader of the church is you never can miss an opportunity to witness to love. And part of that is walking towards the pain. Like there's so much hurt in the world right now. Like you've talked about that the last year and a half, there's been so much pain. And when you allow the love of God to work in and through you and you meet somebody or you see somebody who's in pain and you come to them and you genuinely care, that's the gift of working with young people. They know in two seconds whether or not you really care about them and their well-being. And so while the church is, from what the numbers say, in decline, I do believe there's this recognition, especially after what all we've been through, of people saying, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And so people like me in the church have this wonderful opportunity to share a message that gives life, that brings people together, that cares for one another. And I think that's really attractive. And I do hope, of course, in the spirit of that, that people will want to come to church. Yeah. Tell us real quick, just so we can give everybody an overview that's not familiar with you where you are and what you're doing. Sure, sure. So uh, I'll give you the quick overview of kind of the Pastor Gary Morello story. Um, Grew up in Westchester County, two loving families, but come from a broken home. I am the middle child and I'm totally the middle child, like 100%, like (laughs) I'm the middle child. And I did really well as an athlete my whole life. Went to a school um, called RPI, 
played football, um, and I got hurt playing football. And that was when I was introduced to pain pills in order to play, um, but also because the pain was so great. How old um, are you here now? I'm 21. So you're, oh, you're playing co- collegiate. Playing collegiate football at RPI. I'm 21 years old, um, and I'm lost. I mean, Taylor. And, How did you get introduced to pain pills? Yeah, so um, I was in a fraternity at Albany, and it was just a thing. I mean, it was almost like, you know, they talk about this uh, epidemic, and it was just everywhere. People kind of did it, you know, recreationally, and I actually had an injury. And so I was introduced. It took the pain away. It allowed me to play. Um, and it happens to a lot of athletes, sure, even now. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you think it's okay, and you do this. And, you know, I found myself at a young age, at 22 years old, in desperate need of direction. So long story short, okay, I graduate from RPI, magnum cum laude, honors, I get a big job in, a, in an oil company. Wow, so you look pretty good on the surface. There it is, right? And how applicable is that to where God has called me to do ministry mm-hmm. in a community like ours, right? Where, yes, there's a lot of stuff on the outside, but we all need depth inside. And so uh, 23 years old, I, I hit this rock bottom, guys, um, and I'll never forget it. It was like it was yesterday. Um, I walk into a church completely broken, um, at this point, um, I really had no faith uh, whatsoever. I just was desperate to get well. I was in so much pain. And I walk into this church and I meet a little old man who was four times my age. I was 23. He was about 85, 86, something like that. His name was Jerry. He was the pastor of that church for 40 years, sober for 36. He helped the beginning of transforming my life. And what I remember the most is when I came to see him, that was a Friday. On Monday, The thing I remember most about encountering Pastor Jerry was on Monday, he remembered my name. And so I'm really big on when I meet somebody to know their name. And then when I see them again, you know, to write that down, because I was telling you guys earlier, like if, if I see you in the streets of Darien, Connecticut, and I know you, Liz has experienced this, Taylor, the window's coming down, the horn's going for five seconds, and my head's coming out the window. Pastor G, come on. We know you're doing this even if you don't know us That's on the right. street. I, I, when I was a couple years ago, one of the seniors was graduating from DHS and they got me a megaphone and they said, Pastor Gary, we're going to college, but never stop telling people about oh, Jesus. You with a megaphone? Who did this? Who is this senior? I have two of them. And so I keep one in my truck. <laughs> so good. I got to so know good. in that moment, like what made you walk into the church? Yeah. Um, is that the moment when Jesus came into your life? Yeah, you know, my my mom, who's my hero, she was tired. And I had hurt a lot of people. And I was fortunate I had the gift of desperation, so I walked in there completely empty just looking for somebody to kind of hold me. Like I just needed to be held up. I didn't need to be told anything. I wasn't looking to be preached at or honestly, T, I, I didn't even know what I, what I was searching for. Um, but Jerry, he held me and he looked at me and he's, you know, God, God's got you. I had no idea what that meant. Taylor, Liz, Rose awesome. (laughs) Like, sweet. You know, I need to be gotten, you know, I'm in pain. Um, and the day I opened that door, literally, you know, the physical door to the church, um, I believe was the, was the day that changed my life. And in the moment where I was, I was saved by grace and transformed by truth. 
it's a great story. It's hard to keep. Yeah, sorry. It's hard I, like, to follow I'm that emotional. up yeah. with anything. Um, yeah, I got to Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Of course. In a town like ours, there's a lot to look at on the outside, but sure. sometimes it's lacking on the inside, right? Yeah, lack Liz. Of depth. And, and here's my... Exp- oh, go ahead. Well, what I was going to ask about that is looking at someone like you. You're tatted up. You got some earrings. You're not what people think would be a pasture, especially in a town like Darien. What do you think of a statement like that? Yeah, so what's so incredible is Pastor Jerry introduced me to one of his mentees, the Reverend Carter Via, who is one of the pastors at Talmadge Hill Community Church here in town. That's how I got to Darien, because I was living in White Plains, New York. So this is the soil. Talmadge Hill Community Church, the leaders of that church, the great uh, late uh, Pastor Mitch Zeman was there as well at the time before he passed away. But this soil helped raise me back to life. So my calling to be in this community is rooted deep because these were the people that helped me learn and grow and learn about my faith and get me on my journey. And so when I came here, um, and I've been here ever since, which has been so exciting. How many years is that? I've been here full time now for it's my seventh year, which is which is really amazing. And so what I what I when I say that. Here's what's so wonderful is in this community, our community often gets this narrative out there in the world as sort of this put on top of us. I can't speak to the narrative because a lot of times narratives are interesting, but what I can speak to is I have met the most generous, awesome, loving, humble people in our community. Amen to that. Exactly. And at the same time, Liz, what I've also realized is in the facade of a community like this, just because there's a big house doesn't necessarily mean there's furniture inside. What I mean, by, metaphorically speaking, yes. what I mean by that is a lot of times people cover up because they'll do anything to save face, right? I mean, of course, right? We're in this community, it's high pressure, blah, 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 blah. But a lot of times those things and those places that we attain, once we get there, we realize many of us, if we're fortunate, that while that may be a blessing and it's good, I'm a big like strive and go for what you want. There has to be a foundation and a grounding of which you can be at peace with. If it's based off of outside sort of influence or outside things, if a thing is always going to make us filled inside, we're going to be let down over and over and over again. So there's got to be a foundation. So how do you get people to realize that that's what's missing in their life? I think the the beauty of my calling and what I get to do is a lot of times they're getting there before I even come into their life. Meaning something's going on in them where they're looking around or they're having this experience or they hear about something or they run into it and they're like, oh my gosh, I got to start asking some questions. Like what's, what's going on, right? And then by God's grace, when you're in a community, that's why I think as a pastor to be somewhere for a while is so important is because you become rooted and known in the community and say, Hey, have you talked to Pastor Gary or my team? I serve with uh, the Reverend Greg Dahl and the Reverend Brandy Drake, two amazing leaders in the community. And just our church, like I love our church, the Roten Presbyterian Church. And and when you come around that, when you enter a room and there's just this energy and this joy and this love, Jesus says to to the disciples um, in the gospel, come and see. That's his invitation. And that's always my invitation, Taylor. Like, come and see. Come and check it out. Yeah, it's you. You did take off like wildfire in this town. Seven years, 
I don't know if I, I met you or I first heard about you when you, but you hit the ground running. So why is it that you are so, Darian craves you, Gary. I, that's how I would say Darian craves what you're bringing. Like, why do you think that is? Yeah. So I would say in all transparency, first glory to God, what a gift. If my life and my family reflects this image of love and joy, g- glory to God. And I say that because elevation, as we all know, c- can be dangerous. And, and a humble heart, I think, is super critical right now. I was telling you guys earlier about the leaders. What I loved about the podcast was God raising up leaders in this community with with humility. And so I, I think one of the reasons I shared very earlier with you guys the pain I encountered, when your soul is completely empty and you're struggling with the mere fact of waking up in the morning, day after day, and then all of a sudden, you're placed in a position where that shifts. Now, granted, it takes time, but all of a sudden you're on this new trajectory and over time there's life and more life and more life. Like the way I live my life is as if I was completely given. I was completely given a second chance. Totally. And I know that for certain. And so when you wake up with that level of understanding and recognition and you walk around in the world and you're, you, you know, uh, one of our prayers, Pastor Greg and I talk a lot about is we ask God for forgiveness for how oblivious we are, even to the beauty of creation sometimes. Like think about the Merritt Parkway in the spring, but I'm busy and I'm on a call and you just drive by and you miss it, right? So when I can actively be present in the community and see a family and see a young person or a ch- remember their name, right? I know their name and I look at them and I'm like, it's so good to see you. And for some reason, God has given me this gift where like in that moment, it is so genuine and real, right? Which truth be told is why I got to really pay attention when I'm at home with my wife because she knows how focused I am. Yeah. <laughs> so like if I'm like, you know, doing the day's thing, she's like, honey, honey. I'm like, okay, okay. So, so you had that 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 feeling. The way you speak, I, I I I don't mean to project, but it sounds like you had that feeling where there was a time that you woke up in a in a morning and felt that true emptiness or hopelessness. Is that the case? Oh, without question, without question. You know, Liz, I certainly um, was was lost. So to me. Um, because you can admit that. And I think that's what I've seen. And I, like I, I have a, uh, a close family member who's gone to you that was lost to alcoholism. Mm. And with your guidance was, I mean, saved. His life was saved. Um, and I think that you, I'd say admitting that and the fact that they can relate to that, that, that you shared that with them. I think that does something for these kids. How do you feel? Do they say this to you? Do you? Yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful framework, and, and glory to God for that that wonderful uh, gift of of life there. But I think the three hardest words to put together in the English language is "I need help," and I think many of us are so afraid in the context we serve for whatever reason. And I'm not even that interested in the reason why we can't put that together. And I believe that through my story and, and what I've been through and, and like where I am now, like it's funny, I called my spiritual advisor this morning and I was weeping because of how whole I am. The integrity, the word integrity, like wholeness, like I'm, like I'm so at peace with the man I am and 
who I am and what I am. And so that like when you're 33 to be that rooted in identity, you know, is, is, is such a blessing. And so I think when leaders have the, and I, you know, 10 years now, every time I am in a context like this, I pray, Lord, help me to be humble and help me to be honest and courageous to share the truth of the brokenness. Because I really think while we could have different opinions as human beings on a lot of things, the great connector for our, our hearts is pain because we all can identify with pain regardless of background, belief, et cetera, et cetera. And so pain is really a touchstone of spiritual growth, but it's also a bridge that connects the heart. And when a leader can do that and somebody who's hurting hears or sees that, it may just be the thing that motivates them to say, okay, I'm ready now. What's well, so interesting. I mean, you're obviously, you know, uniquely qualified to speak to our children and and to anyone who's suffered from substance abuse problems. But it seems to me that there's even more pain in town. Um, and it's interesting with, you know, if you think, step back and look at like the decline in Christianity in the United States for generations, we've been struggling to make it right. Like to improve the quality of life for our children, to buy a home, to, you know, put kids through college, like to really advance ourselves and our families. And, this community is sort of the epitome of success, right? Like in many cases, it's not every case, but you know, it's, it's, it's a successful town. So I think, you know, we've all been sort of focused on that climb for so long. Like it seems to me that people have now gotten there. And a lot of times if they're not feeling whole like you, just like, wow, what was I working for? Like, I'm actually not that happy. My house is great. I've got great clothes, kids are in great schools, everything looks good. But like, and I think that there's, there's, um, it's hard for people to realize that's what's missing. I mean, I'll admit personally, I'm sort of waking up to that myself. Like, so I don't know if you can speak, it's not really a question so much, but like, do you agree with that? Like, do you, how do you help people figure it out? Yeah. I think one of the beautiful things about being a human being is even for those that are introverted, there's a recognition and a need for relationship and connection. And so I talk a lot about relationship tailored to that question because there's substance abuse, but pain manifests in, in many ways. And I'm of the belief that everybody has a low level of addiction somewhere. There's something that's driving them to do things they don't want to do and then they're hurting and blah, 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 blah. But I do think that what we've seen, especially out of this year and a half, is this beautiful awakening of, of community and, and the need to be together. and my hope and prayer as a pastor, as a leader in the community is to be able to share that and not just share that in a way of like, oh, oh, being community, but actively be engaged in that. So being at the high school, being at families, dropping by, having things together. I mean, hopefully soon things will be, you know, starting back up. But I, I joke like I'm, I'm like the roadrunner around town. Like I show up to somebody's house or I go to a student's game and, you know, when, when, when that stuff starts to happen and people are like, man, this is, this is special. It, it makes them want to be a part of something more. And that makes me, you know, again, like kind of go one step deeper. Like how do you <clears throat> help people define the purpose of their life? Yeah. What a, what a big, we dived in guys. Let's go. Let's go. So good. So good. All right, and this, we're getting this advice for free, which is the best part. <laughs> yeah. So I talk to, to people a lot about, you know, purpose and passion. And the reason is, when you can find what it is, the gifts that God has given you, right? So what is it that, that 
creates a fire in you. And when you can find and discern what that fire is and you live from your gift set, you will experience joy abundance in this world. And so that is very much a, a process. And the purpose piece for me is why I love following Jesus is because my purpose, my ultimate purpose is to give to me, is to give to others what was freely given to me, like this message of life through Christ. And so the the part that warms my heart, Taylor and Liz, about this whole process of of, of following Christ and, and sharing that message is not only does it give life, but it brings joy and wholeness. And, and it's, it's something that I feel when I'm able to go ahead and bring that in any setting that I am, it, it attracts people. And can I go with one more like hard hitting question? I mean, what do you say to those of us who might believe in God in a higher power? Cause that seems pretty universal, like worldwide but have questions about the validity of the story that Jesus is God's son. Wait, I'm yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask him too. Like, what do you say to a friend or to us like, or, or whoever, if they believe in all your same values, uh, they practice a life of devotion, humility, selflessness, spirituality, um, spirituality um, contribution, if they're doing all these things, but they might not f- fully agree with the function that Jesus is the son of God. Yeah. Great question, guys. I would smile hugely like Like you are right now that's right like a big smile (laughs) and i would look them with endearing eyes and say thank you for trusting me and feeling safe to ask me that question right like i want to be a christian a follower of christ a pastor a leader in the community where because of the way i live and who i am people feel really comfortable that they could talk to me about anything my next conversation or my next kind of thread into that um would be um gosh you're missing out. <laughs> my Lanta. We can't say, oh my God, in my house. Of course. Because my daughter says, Dad, they use the Lord's name in vain. So we use, oh my Lanta. So if you hear, oh my Lanta, that's why. I like that. That's yeah, cute. Yeah, oh my Lanta. And so I would, I would say, first, a lot of times when that question is asked of me, I want to ask another question and say, why did you get to that place? What has made you not to believe that Jesus is not the Son of God? And what research have you done or haven't done? What have you studied? What have you heard? Most of the time I get a, I haven't really looked into it. I haven't really seen it. Or I grew up and I heard this or, and I said, but what about you? Have you, have you read the gospel? Have you sat with someone that that's that convict? Have you, have you given yourself a chance to say, you know what, with all this evidence, I still don't believe. And if somebody can get to that place, I'm like, okay, what, you know, wonderful. But I would really want to stress and challenge someone to be secure in why they make that final decision. Do you look differently though on people? Like, are you disappointed in your friends that are like, Gary, I love you. You know, I'll run, I'll run suicides with you on the field, but Jesus is not my boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Never. Okay. Never. I mean, is there a part of my heart that wants everyone to experience the abundant life in Christ? Do I pray for people that have said, look, I, I just, I'm not there. I can't go there. I don't, without a doubt, I do that. But I would almost be more drawn towards somebody who feels that way and be even more gentle and caring and, and ready and always there to have that conversation um, than, than some of the way Christianity is put out there in the world, like judgmental, you right. know, that kind of stuff that that's a generalization a lot of times in, in the faith. 
I pray that I could be a face for the church where someone goes, you know, Pastor Gary, that, that is a, that boy loves the Lord. Like he really, <laughs> he wears Jesus t-shirts. He's got Jesus decals on his truck. Like, you are wearing a cross t-shirt. That's right. Like he, he's got Jesus tattoo. Like the dude loves Jesus, but I love being around him. Even if I'm not that same way. Because I think that's what our Lord did. That's it's, definitely what you're putting out there. Yeah, I thanks be to God. I appreciate that too. Because well, I, I feel that in my heart. Well, that's. I mean, it's it's the like, I guess mutual exclusivity of Jesus. Like, if we're right, then the rest of the world is wrong, and I have a hard time with that. Well, I, I I like I like that you just have, first of all, acceptance. I love that you try to win people over only in that you want them to feel what you feel. Um, and I was raised as a Catholic, and the one thing that I struggled with with the religion is it wasn't um, their teachings weren't based on that shared mutual enjoyment and inclusivity. It was if you don't believe us, then you're wrong, then you're punished, then you then you sinned, and that wasn't a form that I responded to really well. So I like that your response to that, and also the fact that you're drawn to these people that have like that you know that challenge you that say you know I'm not sure about Jesus being my boy. You're like, all right, we're gonna spend some you're time like to together, fix a like you know, like a broken soul. You want to go fix this person? Yeah, and and what I'll say, which is really important, is I, I don't do any of the saving or the transformation. Uh, there's a great scripture in the Gospel of John 15. We talk about it a lot, which is the the the, the branches and the vine. God is the vine. I'm just out there trying to help people connect to that. So the Holy Spirit, really, God is the one that that brings the transformation and, and does that in, in, in somebody's heart. But I always think about it like this. I always use it because now I'm a father, right? I'm a papa. And, you know, when you become a papa. So you have a, what, a three-year-old daughter? My girl is Ariana's three and a half. Okay. My son, Caleb, just turned one. And then we got another little nugget on the way That's in great. August. We found out with Ariana that she was a girl and okay. I went berserko because I always <laughs> wanted my girl. Like oh. I tell her she could be the president. You know me. I'm like girl power for days, superheroes. Love it. And then my son, Caleb, and then we're going to wait to find out, um, That's on fun. the third one. I know we're super, we're super psyched. And so when you become a papa, I, I always think of somebody, um, with just different lenses, you know, a lot of times when you deal with people, this is somebody's son or somebody's daughter or somebody's family member and, and there's there's so much there's such there's 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 such a need for people to be able to kind of pull out of their own ego and their own opinion and say okay before before i go let me you know the greatest one of the greatest spiritual disciplines is the pause button <laughs> where like you know you have that that and you guys are married so don't i know you know what i'm talking about so so when that <laughs> thing comes up it kind of starts maybe like top of the kneecap it kind of wakes its way up and then it gets to like the you know when the veins like you know when the, and you're like you're about to explode that's right and, mm -hmm. and be patient and patient i think the pause button um, is something when you're dealing with people especially if somebody's really upset or they've been hurt by the church or they've been hurt by faith or they've been hurt by a leader um, you have to be willing to uh, take on some some pain. I often call myself like a spiritual backboard for pain because somebody might come at me and blah, 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 you know, and it's it's not even about me. But again, I always go back to remember Jerry held me up. So most of the time, my first line of business with somebody who's hurting is to hold them up before we ever get down the line of. And even if somebody asks me the Son of God question, they'll there'll be so much relational building. You know, before, unless it's, a, say I'm, I'm serving the poor in New York City or I'm somewhere in the world doing that, and it's kind of an immediate need to, to tell somebody about the love of Christ. But most of the time, there's a lot of relationship that affords the opportunity for us to have a, a deep, meaningful conversation. 
You must be a good husband. I, I, you know, I think right. t- for today, right? Just for today, if, if Erica was sitting right here, she'd say he's killing it. Oh. But, you know, we keep it in the day, guys. I, I, I have it. I have my moments. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, yeah. Stay humble. Stay <laughs> humble there. <laughs> Let me give you some of your own advice, my friend. So good. You know, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. To Taylor. I get so excited. I go like a thing. She's, um, we watched one of your sermons before this that I want to, I want to, reference a small quote of that because you keep kind of going back to it here like about staying humble like i just said and really quote all glory unto god uh, and you also said only god's approval leads to authentic contentment um i guess i want to ask you one part of that question I, I guess talk about that authentic commitment and then talk about it what it means in in this day and age when we're bombarded with social media which is yeah. Part of the reason we started this podcast to get back, get away from that. Yeah, it's a really great question, great point, something to thread at. It's amazing to me when I was at my lowest point, how I allowed everything to influence me. Right? I mean, it was like if somebody said, Gary, you know, and I'm being a little, you know, a little silly here, but hey, reduce fat, skippies. Never go with regular again, right? And I'm a huge <laughs> fan of reduced fat, skippy speed, right? But anyway, like, I would be like, oh, okay, let's do that now. Or Facebook posted, like, hey, don't wear yellow. I'm like, oh, don't wear yellow sneakers. Like, I mean, just insane that we had become a community that took truth off of a quiz, quick post, but people are quick to be like, oh, something that's been around for thousands of years, let's not, let's not go there. And so when I talk about authentic contentment, what I mean in that process, it's in the identity category of like, There has to be something in you where you come to peace with saying, hey, this for me, this this value, this way of life, what I'm doing, this is authentic. Like this is real. I've come to make this conclusion because I've studied myself approved. Like I've done some research. I've I've looked out there, right? Like like I always say, there's two different kinds of decisions. There's like a microwave decision and then there's like the slow roast cook, right? <laughs> Think about it. Like slow roast cook. Slow roast cook is always better. Oh my, my Lanta. It is like you can't you throw something in the in the microwave, it's a little chewy, it's kinda of like whatever I gotta You're not get. Putting ribs in a microwave? <laughs> Come on, Lizzie, let's go, right? <laughs> but if you slow roast the thing, it's gonna be soft and blah blah blah, right? And so we've just become such a microwave decision making, even microwave love. Like everything's gotta be quick, instant gratification. But when you slow roast something, it takes longer. It is a little more care, a little more time, but it will get you to a place where you could say, you know, I, 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 I'm good in that place. And so for me, like that authenticity, like I am tattooed up, like I am not, you, you know, I'm, I'm a New York boy in, in, in Fairfield and County. And did that happen after you were saved or before? Both. Okay. Both. And so, you know, the reality, like, like the joke always too, like my buddies in Fairfield County that are pastors, right? They've been trying to get me in a polo and like salmon colored shorts. Oh Lord. Like since I'm like, boys, I'm not, I can't like, it's just not me. Like <laughs> I'm the jeans and the converse and the leather jacket. Like I can't do the salmon short. Like, and I'm all about my, 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 my boys and Darian that rock those, but I just, I can't, you know, I can't like I'm authentic to me. Like, cause you know, uh, like most people would think, well, if you come to, you're going to, you're going to blend it. I'm like, I, I, no, wow. That's not, that's not who I am. Like, I do Mohawks. My, my hair's always kind of, you know, like. Like th- th- this is who I am. And, and I used to early on. That's why it's so important to have good people around you that really love you. Well, I was just going to ask you this. Like, what do you do with haters? People are like, that guy, they don't know you. They just do the, twi- the headline. And they say, look at this guy. Like he thinks he's got his, his shit going on. He's wearing tats and his look, his converse. He thinks he's cool. Yeah. That guy's 
oh, Elizabeth, we don't curse. Oh. The pastor's here. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. No, sorry. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, I'm kidding, Liz. You the don't ribs. say I'm kidding, Liz. I'm kidding, Liz. Taylor's looking at me like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Guys, just so you know, Taylor kicked Liz <laughs> under the table and was like, stop it. Um, I guess that's going to curb my next question where I was going to ask about my own unholy thoughts I've been having and, and how you handle those. Oh, my Lanta. So, so, you know, I think guys that, that energy for me, when people are putting you down, what I always tell students, especially when they're bullied is that's much more of a reflection on them than it is me. Now again, integrity, authentic contentment, like when you know who you are, like the hardest part for me growing up and everybody, I mean, my nickname was the golden boy because I just thought I had it, everyone thought I had it all together. I was popular, I was smart, I had all these things, but like internally I was like broken. I just didn't have the teaching to to fill me. You know, I, was, I, wasn't, I, w- I wasn't there. And so when those things happen and, and people say those things where there's haters, Liz, to use your language, um, for me, again, it, it, it used to early on be more difficult, but now I'm at a place, as I mentioned this morning and being so secure where I actually love the opportunity. Like if somebody's, if somebody's saying something about me, that's, that's, that's negative or not in good light. If, if I have the opportunity, here's how this works, right? You know, when somebody's talking about you, the best is when you run into them in public, <laughs> right? Cause all of a sudden, like you're the man, like you're like, dude, I know you just dog, you just dogged me like somebody, you just dog, but now you're giving me it. And, and so, like, I've never encountered somebody in the community that said something, and all of a sudden I see them, and they're like, you know, blah, 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 because love is so powerful, right? And and I and I know that a lot of times, you know, hurt people hurt people. I'm sure you've heard that saying before, and it's really true. So if somebody's saying that again, I, I mean this genuinely, I want to walk towards that because clearly something is going inside of them. If they feel the need to cast out or say something ill or wrong about somebody, um, there 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 there's something going on there as well. I don't know your she absorbs all that though because like to take that on all the time like of that like that like there you know people out there that would do energy work that have that ability to like take on that stuff and it's depleting to them for you to for you to leave your house every morning with that energy take that on you and come back like what is that like on your personal well-being and on your family i feel like you guys are hooking me up with slow pitch softballs and i'm just in the batter's box like come on (laughs) Because guys, those of you who are listening, like they didn't send me any any questions, like you know, none of this. Right, but, right. So we kept you unprepared. We wanted to catch you off on guard, and I love that. I love the off guard because then it keeps it real, it keeps it authentic, and then it's not just something you know. If we, if you had given me all the questions and I wrote everything down and I came prepared and you know get a plus, you'd be like, <laughs> get rid of that. It wasn't good. <laughs> but um, our senior pastor at our church, Pastor Greg Dahl, uh, the Reverend Greg Dahl, same thing. Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier, but he is, he's a special, he's a special human being. And he has taught me relentlessly the importance of a prayer life. And so my time in the tower of God's love and prayer is, is throughout my whole day. So the first thing I do in the morning is I cut myself in half, not literally, but I get on my knees recognizing my need for grace, for the, the guidance from God, for others, that, that I can't do this on my own. And then I read the word, the Bible, and then, and then my prayer life sustains me, right? All throughout the day, I'm, I'm in that conversation. Like when I was coming here, before I talked to Brother David G, before I came, I got in the car, 
And I said a prayer. I was praying over your home, actually, Taylor. Thank you for this home that's doing this. Thank you for this family. Uh, may it be a blessing. I pray for Liz's family as well. Then I came in and we had our fun and I went to go use the restroom. And I'm praying in the restroom, right? Like, <laughs> prayer goes with me. What were you doing there? You were in there for a long time. <laughs> and what so, I in there? <laughs> well, <laughs> and so this gets me real quick to like the man in the mirror where it was like, Lord, if somebody hears this today, let them see you and not me. Like may, may love inspire their heart so much from this podcast that they either want to call Taylor or Liz or connect to somebody. And it doesn't have to be me, but anybody who's carrying this, this really needed message of, of wholeness and life and love, may they listen to this and say, I, I got to be a part of something like that, whatever that manifests for them. Yeah. Does it, do you look at the world and shake your head every day? I mean, it feels like it's upside down sometimes. I mean, <laughs> some of the things that are on TV and movies and whatever. And I, I mean, I'm no prude, but like, you know, look at the Grammys, right? The performance that's on yeah. TV and that's like considered family television. Yeah. I, I, what is going on and what does that make you feel? Yeah. Why I am so drawn towards the scriptures is because I feel like the scriptures always has a wonderful guidepost for me. And Psalm 34, 18 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so I look at the world from this perspective of God is very active. And so when my heart breaks because of something that I see or something that's happening, that I don't think that God's void of like feeling that pain or, or feeling that discomfort or feeling that, you know, um, you know, dis-ease in, inside the heart. And so th there are times where I will lament I mean, I'm an emotional guy, <laughs> kind of just by nature. Um, but when there's world events, like things happening in India, Brazil, like our country, like all around the world that are so, all I can do is, is, is hit my knees and pray. And I think for me, it's sort of this, this genuine macro, like, please God help, help us. And then I realize, like, okay, I'm micro. <laughs> I'm like a speck in the universe. If you think about it, like I'm like a little piece of sand on the, the, you know, it's just, we're so small. So then I say, as soon as I come out of that place, Lord, give me the courage, the bravery, the vision to help go into your world and, and, and bring something, offer something in my small gifts that you've given me and multiply them. We talk about that a lot at the church too. Multiply my gifts so that in the, in the grand scheme of the plan, I, I can make an impact that, that brings light and love. You seem like a great fit for this community because, you know, you have the ability to speak to substance abuse, but also athletics. And that's huge in this town too. So talk to us, you are, uh, you help with the football team, right? Yeah. So it's been amazing. I'm one of the assistant coaches there, been, been there for a while. My involvement is obviously, you know, as, as much as I possibly can. Um, but it has been, it, it, it's been amazing. And I, and I love being on the school grounds um, just because I love being on the the students' turf, right? And and I remember it's like great stories, right? I'm in the hallways at Darien High School, and, and I see my students, and I'm like, hey, hey, and like one of the friends will be like, who's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> and then the other friend will be like, he's a pastor. And no, be he's like, not. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. They'll be like what? And like come to church, like come check it out. Like it's different than than what you might think. And and so um, I think athletics is huge. And and I grew up an athlete, and so there's so much beauty and athletics, but like everything else, guys, it has its limits, right? If your identity, if who you are, if everything is, and that was my story. I mean, I was known for athletics. And when that stopped working, like who, who was I? Yes. If I wasn't yes. an athlete, I was just another guy that had to kind of make it. And so I think in the community, 
you know, while sports is is a really high level, like my encouragement to families, especially coming out of this, is just be mindful of priorities. If everything you do is based off of sports activity, getting out, and there isn't that time for spiritual reflection, for church, for faith, for love, for togetherness, for family meals. I mean, how desperate are we all yeah. for like a once? Sometimes you ask a family, how many times a week? Do Don't I, ask Taylor that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's you, getting better. It's, well, and here's it's the, so painful when they're young. Well, I mean, it's all so hard. But again, the question is not to 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 put guilt on anyone. We're all in it together. Like I'm a pastor that does, that's so focused on this stuff, and I gotta fight for time with my wife. I have, to, I have to be really mindful and really thoughtful. And one of the hardest things I think people in like us in our community struggle with is another really difficult word. And it's two letters. No. Mm. Like, I, I can't do that extra camp or that extra practice. You know, tonight I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with my family. But it's hard because, well, if, if they're not there and then who, then, oh, but he's going to advance or she, and I got to get, and it's like, you know, so, but that's challenging. But if we can keep that in our framework, um, I think it's healthy for us. I love that. I mean, everything that you said, and I love the relationship between, that, you're, that you're forging between athletics and faith. Um, and I found you on Google under the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this was birthed, oh my gosh, this was like four, actually, I saw uh, one of my beloved students this morning, Brian Keating, he is a captain of the football team at UConn. Uh, he is an wow. amazing young man. Um, I love you, Bri. And uh, he helped us kind of launch this. And we thought sports is huge. And so where, where do we find the two? How do, how do we find a mix here? How do we, how do we kind of come together? And so we started at the Methodist Church here in town. There was like six of us. And before COVID, there was 75 to 100 kids, if not more, Every Monday morning at seven o'clock, showing up like every week, kids come to do kids what? Come. To get breakfast, bacon, egg, and cheese goes a long way at seven a.m. in high school, man. But <laughs> no, we but had, that doesn't get. And I know you joke, but that does not get kids up. Honestly, yeah, I heard you like, say it's not just the pizza. Like they won't just sh- keep showing up for sure. Pizza. Well, we've heard stories, guys, and this is where like narrative is so powerful. Where like parents would come up to us and say, like Pastor Gary. I don't know what you guys are doing in there. And I'm like, well, do you want to know? Because it's, it's all good <laughs> stuff. Open the doors. But how cool is it that they trust me? They've heard about me. They don't even ask that. I mean, think about how powerful that is, right? So it's like they're sending their kids there without even really any context. They just know something good is happening. I mean, that's beautiful. But in any event, um, they're waking me up to make sure I get to FCA. And I think when you're going through life and there's all these things and you have these moments, even if it's a half an hour, to have a meal and and to hear a message that is going to sustain you for the week and you can go back to, it it, it really elevates and, and inspires people. So why I was so drawn and really humbled when you guys asked me to be a part of this, I'm like, this is about life. Like we need to talk about life right now and coming together and overcoming together and and, and being in this process together. And the only way that we, we're going to do that is if we actually do that. And so the fact that you're talking to these different leaders who care deeply about this community and the well-being of this community and us coming together is just huge. Are you still doing this FCA stuff? Yeah, so obviously COVID had a huge impact on everybody and everything. And we went virtual, we went in person, we were in relationship with the Methodist Church, so they have a a different kind of um, open and close situation than I do at Neroten. We've been open for a while, and so the the 
prayer is, and keep this in prayer, is by the fall, we'll be back up and running full go um, at the Methodist Church. That's the prayer. Love and is that. it only for athletes? What's the tie between the athletics and... Okay, so great question. So it's not just for athletes. Like We would have students come that, that weren't necessarily athletic um, but being at the high school, you know, knowing the coaches, you know, having that ath- athlete connection um, was was sort of fellowship of Christian athletes where where it came out of and coming together and and, and being on the fields and stuff like that. Because you know, guys, as athletic athletics, I mean, if you combine the body, the mind, and also the spirit, like if you have that sort of um, all those gears turning, it's really powerful. Yeah, well, the concept of the coach, I mean. As, as a you know former athlete, I definitely look to my coaches for guidance, and you know I'd love it if my kids were being coached by people, not necessarily that were you know preaching a particular religion, but just providing guidance and you know leading a wholesome life and a good life and modeling that. So thanks for doing it here in Darien. That's fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate that, Taylor. It's amazing how in the community, without even people, you know, <laughs> is Gary at. Narotin is he at FCA is he at like he's all, all like, over the place who is he what does he do right <laughs> and the but, police said you're involved in something too sorry to interrupt yeah we're, we're, tell us about that we're working on a, a um, keep that in prayer too a chaplaincy program for the police department um, and and you know chief and cap they've they've been they've been fantastic and um, you know just coming I mean there's just been so much hurt and pain in, in, in so many different realms in so many different areas. My, my grandfather was the chief of police of White Plains. Wow. My uncle's secret wow. service. Uh, my other uncle is the was firefighter. He's a lawyer now for them at White Plains. And so it, awesome. it's just, it's just hard. And, and, you know, there's in, in line of like <laughs> public figures as influential and as impactful as we can be for the good, there's always a cost it's hard. I mean, yes. there, there, there is a um, sort of relentless need to be mindful that as present as you are out there in the field to, to bring that home as well. And so I'm very, very fortunate that at a young age, I've been able to recognize that and the importance of that. So to bring home that consciousness, that love, that energy um, to, to my wife first and then, and then to my children is, is critical. Do you still get ever called the golden boy? You know what? <laughs> it's like, you know, when I, when old friends, of course, like people from my, you know, back in the day here, like, you know, Gary's a, he's a preacher now. Yeah. They're like, Gary Morello? Yeah. I can't do the preacher. Like loves Jesus. All right. Cause you know me, I love Jesus. Yeah. And, you do love Jesus. And so, but if some of them from back in the day, my football players, they might, they might recognize. I don't know if they'd be like, yo, golden boy. <laughs> Tell me about your necklace. What is the pendant on your necklace? Oh yeah. So this is fun. So I could talk about my kids all day. I could talk about my wife all day too. Cause she's amazing. Um, but these are two little booties with my kids' birthstones. Oh. Um, and so I'm pumped because this one, the third one's going to be August and I like was looking at the color of the, the stone. It's like it's all three different colors, which for some reason I'm super pumped about. So, um, you know, they, they, my children, like I know how to be a papa. Like intuitively, like I feel like, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a football player. Like when I hit, you know, puberty, because um, girls like cooties and then puberty was awesome. What age was that? <laughs> teens um i remember thinking i want to be a dad and i didn't really know what all that meant then i just knew i wanted to be a dad especially to a girl now i love my son i always love my boys but like my girl like like i think my own story and my own sort of brokenness and my own history um 
I wanted to, and coming from my, my own parents, like this idea of, of loving my wife so well that like my kids see that and my daughter sees what that looks like. And she's like, when they grow up, right. And I have that, that opportunity, um, you know, to, to, to see them grow, um, is, is, is huge. And my, my daughter, she's empathetic. She's my little servant. Like, I, I can't wait to have these, these little ones run around me in the community, bringing, bringing love. And I, and I always teach them now too, you know, all, all these things about life and love and, um, what it means to, to love and love people no matter what. And so it's, uh, it's been super, but I do think this, this, this next generation is looking to, to us. And there's a lot on the table for us as adults right now, as leaders of the community, what we say, how we act, you know, what we do, how we go about our business. And no one's ever going to, you know, like everything you do or believe everything, you know, that you do or, um, but I think if, 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 if my whole life can be a reflection of, of love and joy, grace and mercy, forgiveness, um, then I, then I'm leaving behind something that, that I believe Jesus would want to leave behind to, to others as well. It's beautiful. Amen. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much for you know spreading such joy and life and happiness and, and light in our community um you know I, we definitely are blessed to have you there's no question um, you know whether we have questions about religion you know or, or, or true believers I, I think you know you seem to be so accepting of everything and everyone and that is the greatest gift uh, we could get from someone in your position in our community thank you for embracing all of us and helping to guide our children um do you have anything to add, Liz? I'm what she said. So good, <laughs> so good. And last, last thing, I always do this anytime I have the opportunity to. Um, just my my wife Erica with a C. She's a, she's amazing. She's the the spiritual backboard of our family, and uh, there's no way I can I can have this reach or be out in the community like this. You know, she's the one that with the kiddos. Um, you know, I get pulled away a lot, and um, and 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 she is completely 100% a part of this, this ministry and this mission, um, that God has called me to, um, and does it very quietly and behind the scenes. And so pumpkin, I don't know if you get a chance to listen to 45 minutes with the babies jumping on you, but, uh, but I love you. and I'm grateful for you. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks so much. Awesome.